Welcome to Finance to Futurist, a side trade podcast series on how innovation, data and AI are disrupting order to cash. Hi, this is Natalie Silverman for Side Trade. Welcome to Finance to Futurist. On today's episode, we're discussing a global initiative to improve the way buyers and suppliers transact on the open market what e-invoicing standardization looks like in both EMEA and North America, and the trends towards continuous transaction controls and upcoming e-invoicing mandates. Please welcome AVP of e-invoicing at SideTrade, Brian Peterson, and CEO and Chairman of the Board of OFS Portal, LLC, and Chair of Pydex International, Chris Welsh. Good morning, Brian and Chris, and thanks for sitting down for Finance to Futurist. Good morning, Natalie. Thanks for having me again on the, on the podcast. Today, I'm quite excited for our guest, Chris Welsh. And Chris Welsh and I have worked together for the last, gosh, almost a decade. And some really exciting things coming through, especially on the invoicing side right now on a global scale. And so I wanted to introduce Chris Welsh. And if Chris, you could just kind of give a quick, I know you wear many hats, but a quick overview of what you're working on today and kind of where you came from. Sure. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for allowing me to attend your podcast as well. I've been working within the oil and gas industry for at least 25 years now, if not longer. And most of that has been spent in the digitalization of the supply chain. So I used to work for a service company and then also went and did some independent consulting on deployment of e-commerce on a global basis with some of the largest operators in oil and gas. And then I moved into this role as CEO of OFS Portal seven years ago. So I've been in this role now for seven years. And our job is very much to try and implement a standardized e-commerce deployment model in oil and gas. And that's on a global basis. Um, you know, and that's where you and I have been working together on this for, for, as you say, almost a decade. Well, yeah. And when I first came into that group, the Pinex group, the challenge, or I guess I, I didn't quite understand what the challenge was uh, with regards to standardization until I started to see more and more of these customer portals popping up and really interesting ways of doing business. Oil and gas, I, I think we can both share that <laughs> the agreement that it sometimes felt like we were way behind most industries with regards to how we transact. And I guess in knowing that and, and in seeing how this has progressed, because like I said, in the last decade I've worked with you, we've seen a lot of progression in digitization. But what would you say is uh, the three biggest challenges that we faced out of the gate in looking to standardize? Currently, I think the, the three biggest ones are obviously the variety in the customer requirements. Even though we've got standards available and we've been pushing the petroleum industry data exchange standards as a kind of global implementation model, every operator and every customer seems to want a slightly different model. And then they, they tend to implement their procurement through a third-party platform, you know, a cloud service provider. And each of those cloud service providers has a slightly different implementation model. Some support order and order response, some just do invoices, you know, so it's very difficult to have a, a standard implementation model when there's so much variety in what the customer wants. That's one area that we find is a challenge. The other one is around adoption. So we have great adoption in North America. You know, 80% of some of our members' business is already transacted electronically or digitally. We're enabling about 50 new oil companies a year into this e-procurement model. And that's been steady for the last five years. We've got over 530 operators now that are in this model. So adoption is good. But on a more global basis, 
Adoption tends to focus on when a large operator, multinational oil company has a procurement program that it rolls out worldwide, you know, and, and our members would connect to that procurement platform or that procurement model in Egypt or in Angola, etc. So the adoption outside of North America, I think, is another challenge for us as global organizations have a you know one operating model is a challenge. And then I think the probably the biggest challenge is the portal. So most buyers stand up a portal to allow suppliers to connect to them. But you know these third party networks when they develop them, they are actually working for the operator or they're working for the buyer. And so the web portal approach to digitalize the transaction is an issue, you know, because it's, uh, if you like, the least cost way of doing business. But it's kind of like a lazy way because most of the companies that we deal with in oil and gas have got large implementations of ERPs and they don't want to be, you know, keep punching the same transaction into their ERP and then having to go and do this again in the customer's portal. So providing that electronic integration is always a challenge for us, and and it's something that we push as a model, and we've been doing that for like 20 years now. So sticking to to oil and gas, I mean, I think there's something that, and I do want to move on to more of a global topic, because what I have seen and witnessed in oil and gas, and I think largely due to the efforts that your team has put together, both with the OFS portal, but also PIDEX, We've created a standard, a a format standard, but it seemed to me that the more we had meetings and and gatherings and and brought in the suppliers and the buyers and the networks, the AP networks, but also supplier networks, that there was started to be a collaborative effort and and everyone was kind of on the same page that this doesn't have to be difficult. We should be able to work together. And I think the birth of that was coming from PIDEX. So when we created that standard, do you believe that started to drive more adoption from the transacting networks, the supplier networks, and the buyer networks? And is that continuing to grow today? It is, yeah. Like I said, we do 50 plus operators a year. We roll out the PIDEX model, you know, so that's the integration connection type that we use. But we back that up with things like the syndication of contracted data, you know, the catalog management side of things in support of those procurement platforms. The issue that we've got now with with the oil and gas model is that most organizations, oil and gas is such a cyclical business, you know, boom to bust, boom to bust kind of thing that Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of suppliers are looking at ways of taking their product set of their services and actually using the same products and services in industries outside of oil and gas. You know, so the Pydex model is great for oil and gas because we've all agreed to use it, but that's not going to kind of cut it when we go into pharmaceuticals or we go into construction, you know. So, but it, it is a, it is good for us. We want to maintain that oil and gas because that's where we've come from and where we still see a big growth. We've, we've got 500 plus operators in our network today, but there's 2,500 operators alone in North America, you know, so... We've got 50%. You know, we've worked with all of the large organizations and we're now kind of sweeping up and enabling the mid-tier, but there's still another 2,000 oil companies to, to engage with. But also we've got the challenges to move to other technologies as well as our members move to different industries and, and diversify away from this cyclical oil and gas boom bust thing. The other thing that we've got is obviously the, the large global organizations working in many countries there's about 60 countries that are going to implement some form of electronic invoice mandate over the next three years 
So the, the governments are actually, on a global basis, are outpacing the kind of customer's e-enablement, if you like. So we have to take that into account, you know, and, and our model is now covering that, what we call continuous transaction controls or CTC, the government e-invoice tax reporting. So, you know, that's what another challenge that we've faced within the OFS portal supplier network. And we've, we've enabled those. We have, a, we have a standardized way of doing it. And we actually have been able to implement our Pydex model as the seed, if you like, of the invoice. And then the last mile gets to the country government format. And that's a great uh, kind of segue to where you're at today, because I know with your roles with OFS portal and, and Pydex, it seems like people have been watching and seeing how, you know, if we created some level of standardization in oil and gas that we know is still evolving, looking at more on a global scale, and this is something that you're also a part of, I believe you're working with the PEPAL group and the global interoperability framework, but also the business payments coalition. And really these are, it's, they're centralized organizations that are nonprofit and looking to do what we've done or what we've tried to do so far in oil and gas and create more of a standard framework. Where do you see that going now that we know we've seen and addressed some of the challenges in oil and gas, but on a global scale, are the challenges still there as well? Yeah, it's a good question. It's very tricky to answer really. So what we did for oil and gas, we kind of took this global approach. You know, we want to have a standard for the whole implementation of e-invoicing or e-procurement. But there's obviously regional variations on the newer kind of e-delivery networks, the BPC, the PEPOL, uh, the Global Interoperability Framework. We do see that they're all trying to implement a similar technology stack. You know, so it's a bit like everybody's suddenly decided that they, we've got a railway and it's all at the same gauge now. So and we can all actually interoperate because we're using the same stack or technology stack that's going to underline the message exchange and the delivery of the standards. So we're doing a lot of work in that. The global interoperability framework team itself is ensuring that these networks, where possible, run that same technology stack and actually cooperate on the development of it. But it seems a bit daunting, right, to actually get this and to actually have all of the e-commerce platforms and all of the e-commerce deployment standardized across the globe. It seems very daunting. <laughs> but we have models in this world today that actually have already cracked this. If you look at the mobile phone network, at one time you had to be on the right network to speak with your contacts. You know, Then the regional phone carriers, similar to what we've done in GIF and, and with these volunteer groups, got together and said, you know, if we can allow roaming, you know, we can have my network of customers can talk to you on network of customers and we get this network effect and then at one time you know you couldn't use a us phone in europe but that's now been cracked right so because everybody's collaborated everybody's seen the value of being on the right network at the right time and also connecting so it would be absurd now to think that you couldn't phone anyone in the world from a mobile phone today you know but it's an evolution, right? It's come from being on the right network to talk to your immediate customers, then being able to roam across networks, and then actually being able to interoperate across any network on any platform in any region. And so that global approach and the regional implementation, it's going to take time. But we've got a lot of the right organizations working together to make it happen. There seems to be this real drive now that people have realized that the market is so enormous that they don't have to hold the customer connection to ransom, if you like, and, and, and not allow integration with other platforms. The market is so massive that it'll support many, many networks and many, many service providers, and it's still growing. So 60% of the U.S. 
business is still transacted by paper. You know, that's the largest industry area. It's more in China. It's even worse in China. So the market for e-invoicing and e-procurement and the delivery of digital documents is massive. So I think that's the, the approach for the future, if you like. That's where we're going. And we're putting a lot of time and effort into making sure that the global approach works because as our members' core business is still oil and gas and we have our oil and gas model, they are diversifying. They do want to connect to logistics companies, pharmaceutical companies, construction, engineering, electronics, etc. So, And our oil and gas model is not going to work for that. So we need to make sure that we can have a, a cross-industry platform that's available. And these e-delivery networks that are sprouting up in Europe, Scandinavia, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, US with the BPC, for example, they've all now decided to kind of do it the same way. So it means we can have a global approach and then a regional implementation. So it's slightly different in Scandinavia, it's slightly different in Europe, but it uses the same rails. So we can we can make sure that our global approach, even though it's going to be implemented regionally, is going to work for us and for our, our members. And I love that analogy that you use with the cell phone networks. I've often brought that up as well. And I remember those days of can't call them because they're on a different different network. And I guess, you know, in, in understanding that, and that I think is one of the biggest challenges that we overcame is that we don't have to be exclusive by region, by country. And it's like we have the, the sprints, the Verizons, all of the companies in the room talking about how we can make this better for the end user, the end customer. And, and we're talking about both buyers and suppliers. I had recently attended one of the e-invoice exchange summits, and it was quite an interesting flavor of the room because there were competitors from a, for the business that we're in and, and even some of the other technology providers. It was a competitive landscape of people, of participants, but they all wanted to work together to address exactly what we're talking about here. And so there is another one coming up. And I, I would say, because you've been a part of this, you've presented at these types of exchanges or the summit, rather, there's one coming up in, in Lisbon, correct? Correct. Yeah, the Exchange Summit in Lisbon. They run them in different places. So they've run them in Singapore, recently had one in Miami for the US market and Latin America. The one in Lisbon is coming up in September. And they started in Europe, oh, at least 10 years ago. I think the first one I went to was in 2006, I think. So they've been going for a long time. And, and the European one tends to get over 250 service providers. We all have a common aim, if you like, is to, to try and digitalize the market, right? Get rid of the paper, move forward. Um, and now that there's realization that there is almost a shining light at the end of the tunnel of interoperability, it's not a train, but it is actually going to move us forward, then people are really excited and getting involved in it. And it's a great place to go and just network with people, get some up-to-date information on what's available. There's lots of case studies on things like the implementation of Apple in different countries, the implementation of customer requirements and cross-border, things like that. So there's a lot of great opportunities there if you can get to one of these exchange summits. You'll be networking with people that are already either doing this or are helping to develop the global approach. Yeah, and I think it's uh, what I found on the last one I did attend the one in Miami was, you know, just seeing some of the the buyers and suppliers, the the willing partners that know that they need to evolve their business to transact on this this framework. I think one of the challenges or one of the the daunting questions for them is I don't have the technology, I don't have the team in order to implement something like this or to be a part of this because they don't have the technical expertise, but I guess in your opinion and what you've seen so far, does it really require a lot of technical advancement or, or changes for the organizations that we're looking to engage with? 
Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. If you look at it from a kind of a supplier and a buyer perspective, the buyers, they already kind of contract with a technology provider or an e-procurement platform. So they already kind of naturally have a service provider to do their supplier integration, right? So they, they have aggregated all of their digital connections through a single point or an access point. And, you know, our members, for example, will connect with their technology to these different service providers uh, in like a three-corner model. So a supplier is corner one, sending the invoice to the buyer's agent, corner two, and then it eventually gets to the buyer, corner three. Within oil and gas, we have tens of thousands of these three-corner connections. You know, and they're very expensive to manage. If we could have a supplier aggregation point where the supplier can connect to an access point, and that access point talks to all the other access points, they wouldn't have to have the three-corner model. They could have what we call the four-corner model. The supplier is corner one, sends his invoice via his service provider to any of the other service providers as corner three, and then onto all of the buyers as corner four, or all of the buyers that are, that are connected to those access points. So it's for from a supplier or a buyer perspective, it actually simplifies your integration you're not managing hundreds if not thousands of three corner connections and standing up a big integration team to make sure your invoice is delivered you've contracted with a service provider to do this so it actually simplifies it in terms of the access points themselves we come currently from a, an industry where we have lots of siloed procurement platforms you know and, and my procurement platform is better than your procurement platform come and join me because i'll give you more services etc this four corner model the service providers have realized you know i can get a network effect if my customers can talk to your customers on your network i've actually maybe doubled trebled the size of my potential trading partner network i'm going to satisfy the needs of my customer who i'm already engaged with by connecting to customers on other access points right or trading partners on other access points so I don't think the technology is difficult. It is the e-delivery network. It is a standard set. As I said, it's the technology stack, standard rails with a standard gauge that anybody can implement. The big shift we've seen within oil and gas is back in 2000, when we started doing all of the implementations, the early implementations of e-commerce, there was no networks. There was no supply networks to be able to engage with. You know, I know that Sidetrade and its predecessors that you know have built up the supply network side of it are doing a good job now of being able to provide services for the small suppliers. But the large suppliers, they were strategic for them. They built all their own technology. They built the stack and they built their own integration management teams, things like that. There wasn't anything to contract with. If you were starting out today, you would just go and contract with a service provider that maybe is global if you're in oil and gas, you know, maybe has already got some kind of integration or capability to the government e-invoicing initiatives in the different countries that you would operate because it's available today. You know, you can keep it very simple. So the service provider is a very key component and all the works that we're doing in terms of the global interoperability framework, making sure that the various e-delivery networks on the regions can interoperate and that all the service providers that are supporting that are willing to adopt it and move forward with it, that's going to make it a lot simpler for people to be able to get access to the network and hence transact with hopefully, you know, everybody on the planet if we recover, you know, if it's going to go that like a phone network. So the last part, I guess, is, you know, in, in looking and driving this adoption, because this is something as multiple organizations that you're you're a part of. But I had heard this before, especially with the OFS portal group. What was the key driver? What was the incentive to embark on something like this? And, and yes, it's great to have technology and things working together. But 
what was the the key driver, the incentive, and and what should be for organizations that are interested in doing this or just even looking into it? Yeah, I don't want to kind of keep coming back to history, but what we saw when we implemented e-commerce as global suppliers back in the 2000 timeframes is we were very cautious. We wanted to see where this thing was going. We got to the point where we realized every time that we integrate with a customer and send electronic invoices, we get a reduction in DSO in sales outstanding. So there was a real business benefit. And there was a tipping point around about 2005 where we suddenly said, you know, this is great. You know, this is actually helping our bottom line, our cash management. We're reducing DSO on all of the e-invoice integrations with our customers. And it started to be driven by the supplier. Now, the supplier was starting to ask the customer, hey, when are you going to start in electronic invoicing? You know, it's a benefit for you, more accurate, you're not handling paper, more efficient. You can enable your spend management, you know, at a line item level, but also there's benefits to the supplier. So the presentation of the invoices, et cetera, you know, there's, there's a higher first pass rate for e-invoices being accurate and paid than there is for paper, for example. So there was a great benefit for the suppliers. On the buyer side, you know, they, they want, if they're going down an e-procurement route, they want as many of their suppliers to be digital as possible because they get improved accuracy. They capitalize on the process improvements, that the digital enablement of their e-procurement or their procurement processes uh, work. So they want as many suppliers as possible. And then, as we said, from the service providers, this network effect that, you know, I don't have to have the biggest cluster of suppliers now to attract customers. If I can connect to somebody else's network as a partner, their customers and my customers are now capable of transacting. There's a network effect there. And then also just the simplification. If you're an oil and gas service provider and you want to suddenly get into logistics or your customers are pushing you to be in different industries, there is one approach now, you know, this kind of global interoperability framework approach says for multi-industry or cross-industry networks, they can now interoperate in a standard manner. There's not an oil and gas model. There's not a logistics model. There's not a pharmaceuticals model. We've actually said, no, now we've got some common rails across all industries. We can open up, you know, and so as a service provider, struggling to get into an industry, going down the common route, if you like, implementing a delivery network would be the, the smart approach, really. It would open it up for the service provider. Yeah, that's some great points. And I, I think the incentives on DSO, that's certainly something we have seen uh, with our own client base, but in the industry as a whole, and it's what we all talk about when we meet and gather with organizations we're a part of. I love that we're we're moving towards a plug and play mentality and, and everything should just work together. It's a challenging initiative, but I think, you know, kudos to you and all the things that you've done with the OFS portal group and and introducing Pydex and, and a lot of the initiatives and successes we've seen in oil and gas. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the global scale rolls out. And I think already we're seeing some successes there. So there's also a webinar, I think, coming up for the Pydex group here in the in the short term. Yeah, the Pydex group, you know, it, it works on a lot of things. So not only did it do all of the procurement stuff, but it is working on some of the emissions reporting, you know, and that's trying to make sure that that's embedded in the transactions as well into the supply chain. So the kind of scope through reporting that's happening or which is going to be required from supplier to buyer, you know, we, we can capitalize on the strong integration that we've got today between supplier and buyer by augmenting the e-procurement and the digital transactions and adding in the emissions reporting data on what we call the bottoms-up approach. So that's where it's the emissions at the line item level, if you like. And Pydex's upcoming webinar is all about the journey to net zero on emissions reporting. 
and how they're enabling that in the supply chain. So, so well worth looking out for it. If you go to pydex.org and look under events, I think you can find it there. Yeah, and Brian, we 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 like the, your support all the time. It's been great working with you, and I look forward to continue. And I'll see you in Lisbon. Thanks, Chris and Brian, for your insights into the future of finance. For Sidetrade, this is Natalie Silverman. This has been another episode of Finance to Futurist, a Sidetrade podcast series. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to our podcast on Sidetrade.com or through your podcast platform of choice. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Sidetrade and is for general information purposes only. All rights reserved.